Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now here's Father Ted. There were once a couple of hunters that were making their way through the jungle and they came across a hut in the middle of nowhere. And when they saw it, they first thought, oh, maybe this is a shelter of some sorts. So that if people like us who are in the wilderness get caught in the middle of a rainstorm, we'll have a place to, to hunker down for the night. But when the hunters got a little bit closer, they realized that it was inhabited. And a man came out to greet them. And an older man, he had a long beard, long hair, a little bit disheveled all the way around. And what first surprised them was that somebody could actually live out there. Because it was an incredibly desolate place. It was incredibly uh, isolated. You know, this was, there was no electricity. There was no running water. There were none of the commodities of modern life. There were no roads for certain that connected this little hut with anything else. And so they were surprised that somebody could actually survive out there just by collecting herbs and roots and fruits that he found there in the jungle. But what then, what surprised them more as they got to talking with this man, this man who was, turns out, was actually a hermit living out there, living a life of prayer, doing penance all by himself. As they kept talking to this hermit in the middle of the jungle, they were even more surprised that he was actually happy with life. You know, sometimes we have this idea of people that are in that situation, whether it be in the history of the church or maybe we know people in monasteries in our day, of, day and age. They were shocked. This man's happy. He's got nothing going for him. There's nothing that could normally cause happiness here in the jungle. And so they actually asked him how he could be so content, so peaceful, so happy with no comforts at all. And the old man said to them, do you see that hole in the wall? Because at this point they were inside the hut. Yeah, we see it. Go look through that hole, he said, and you'll see the source of my happiness. And so the hunters go over one by one and they look through this little peephole in the wall and they don't really see much. They see some, you know, a little bit of the jungle, they see some other things out there outside the hut, a little bit of the, the, the sky. And then they start to think, maybe he's actually crazy. And then they say, well, we didn't really see much out there. They said, okay, we saw, you know, trees, plants, a little bit of the sky. But then the man cuts them off. He says, that's it. That little piece of the sky is the source of my happiness. After this life, I will go to heaven, up above, where God is waiting for me. That is the source of my joy. I don't need anything else, he said. I have it all. I have it all right here with God, and I know what's waiting for me in the next life. This man living in the wilderness, he didn't seem to have anything that would make him happy. And happiness is precisely an emotional response to possessing a good. Like when you have something good and you, you know you got something good, the reaction is happiness. Like, oh, I know I got friends, I'm happy. Oh, I know I got food, I'm happy. Oh, I know I got money, I, I'm happy. I know my team just won, I'm happy. And this man who didn't seem to have anything good, but yet was extremely happy, was not happy because of anything external, but because he had God in his soul. He had a relationship with the God of heaven, and that was all he needed. On this Good Shepherd Sunday, 
we also sang repeatedly today, already in this mass, or hopefully we sang, you're supposed to sing, repeatedly in this mass, that we too would be happy with that arrangement. You know, most of the readings today describe how Christ relates to us like the way a shepherd relates to his sheep. So Christ is somebody who knows us by name, he calls us, he feeds us, he protects us from dangers, he brings us back to the fold when we wander off, etc., etc. But at the very beginning of our responsorial psalm, we see what our reaction should be once we appreciate what kind of shepherd we have. It's, it's like the most famous psalm in the world. It was Mother Seton's famous, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. We all know the words, but do you actually understand what that means? The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. That is to say, I don't lack anything. I've got it all. There's nothing missing. I'm fulfilled. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I need. I lack nothing. I need nothing. I want nothing. And that's an incredibly profound statement to make. We ought to be able to say, like the hermit said, as long as I've got God, I've got everything I need. And that's not because, okay, our faith teaches us to be satisfied with less. As if normal people are satisfied when they have stuff, but okay, when we become Christians and we start practicing our faith, we just resign ourselves to being poor, to being persecuted, to being you know, not necessarily powerful or popular. So our faith is just simply to teach us to, you know, be resigned. But that's not the case. Our faith teaches us just how good it is to have God. It teaches us who this is that we say we have a relationship with. A Catholic seeking things outside of God for the sake of happiness would be like Ellen Musk or Jeff Bezos selling lemonade on the street corner to raise money. Like, they've already got so much money. What are you trying to sell lemonade for to get more money for? But if we as Catholics who possess God, who have a relationship with Jesus, are trying to find happiness somewhere else by getting more money or getting more friends or getting more popularity or whatever, if we're trying to find happiness somewhere else, we're like Elon Musk trying to sell lemonade on the street corner. We've already got like a bank account full of God. Why are we looking for something else, something so much cheaper? With the risen Lord as our shepherd, we have it all. There is nothing we shall want. And to reach this satisfaction with God alone, you don't have to live like the hermit friend. It's not necessary to go into the jungle. It's not necessary to sell everything you have. Certain people in the church are called to live a simple life, like all diocesan priests make a promise of simplicity that they won't be luxurious or they won't have you know, a kind of extravagant lifestyle. All religious, like the daughters here, Mother Seton, Sisters of Charity, myself, we make a vow of poverty. So we live evangelical poverty, so we actually do try and get rid of more stuff. Everybody is supposed to have, everybody's supposed to be poor in spirit. But you don't actually have to deprive yourself of everything other than God in order to make God the source of your happiness. It is necessary to not be attached to stuff. We have to be detached. We have to not put our hearts on these things. We can't try and get more stuff for the sake of happiness. And we can certainly never prioritize anything over God. But you don't have to sell the farm in order 
to make God the source of your joy. This theme of being satisfied with God alone is something that comes up in scriptures a lot. St. Philip told Jesus at the Last Supper, Lord, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. Jesus told Martha that he was the one thing necessary. The Samaritan woman was promised living water that would satisfy her thirst, the longings of her heart, forever. The living water of grace. Another psalm reminds us that God satisfies the longing soul. One of the most famous prayers in our Catholic tradition expresses this satisfaction with God alone very well. St. Ignatius of Loyola wrote this prayer and he included it at the very end of his month-long spiritual exercises. So this, the idea is that you take this retreat for a whole month and then at the very last meditation, at the very end, this is a prayer which St. Ignatius presents to be prayed repeatedly. Take, Lord, and receive all my understanding, all my will, all my freedom. It's yours. You have given it to me, O Lord, and to you I return it. All is yours. Dispose of it according to your will. Give me your love and your grace, and that will be enough for me. Like this is a prayer which really expresses the same thing as our psalm today. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I shall want. So we're just, in this prayer, we're telling God, take everything I've got, take everything I have, take everything I am, just give me your love, give me your grace, and that's all I need. There was a French bi bishop by the name of Bousuet. He explains to her that this is the highest honor that you can give to God. Like if you tell God, you're the only thing I need. If you tell God, my heart is satisfied with you alone, that's not just a fact, it's not just a statement, or it's not just a wish. It's you confessing that God is God. It's you confessing, it's you professing your faith that he is the Almighty, that he is the one that satisfies the longing heart. It's not just about you getting something, but you are actually making an act of faith in the greatness of God when you say, I'm going to seek my happiness in him alone. And it's a very countercultural expectation, this notion that God will satisfy us. We live in a consumerist society. All day we get bombarded with advertisement that says, as soon as you get me, whether it be deodorant or a car or food or this house, you'll be happy. I don't know why deodorant made the list, but it did. It will satisfy you. But here we're saying the exact opposite. We'll only be happy if we have Christ. They say we'll be happy if we have money and houses, fame and fortune, power and position, but we are rejecting that notion. That's not where satisfaction comes from. If we're gonna be satisfied, we need God. God comes to us in a plethora of ways. He's not limited by any set of arbitrary rules or constrictions. God the one who satisfies our hearts, can come to us any way he wants, at any time he wants, to anyone he wants. But more often than not, God has deemed to come to us most powerfully through the mediation of men ordained to the priesthood. First and foremost, by the fact that priests confect the Eucharist at the holy sacrifice of the Mass, but also through the other sacraments, baptism, confession, even confirmation. 
God also comes to us through priests in spiritual direction and teaching, through encouragement and leadership. The priests are supposed to protect the flock like Christ from enemies, from marauders, from thieves, from wolves in sheep's clothing. The priest is supposed to bring people to Christ. All priests are called to be shepherds with a high shepherd, which is why every year since 1963, this has been the day of prayer for vocations. The day we pray that God might send into his vineyard laborers for the harvest. He will never leave his flock untended. He continues to call, guide, feed, and protect all of us and lead us to life through those priests he has called to the altar. As we prepare ourselves for communion, we ask him to make us extremely grateful for the table of the Eucharist he has prepared for us and grateful for the priestly vocations that uniquely make this great banquet of life possible. And we ask him to help us to realize how great a God he is so that we might be satisfied by him alone.